Welcome to the Writer's Block. This space is for aspiring writers, indie and published authors who desire tips, tricks and tools to foster confidence in your ability to write. This space is also for voice actors, editors and literary agents. All those people whom are writing adjacent. Let this space be a haven, a resource, and a reminder you can write all you see and see all you write. Grab your pens. We're about to circle the block. Toni Morrison said that the book that you want to read, you may have to write. For this particular interview, the indomitable and incomparable Chelsea Lockhart lets us know that the words of Mother Morrison have never been more apt. And with the power of the internet, books by Black authors are more readily available. And without further ado, I give you Chelsea Lockhart, founder of the Melanin Library. I am amazing. Again, it is a delight and a complete joy to have you make time for uh, the Writer's Live podcast. I know with the holiday season season approaching, I know there are many things you could be doing. So I want to, again, thank you for taking, for taking this time with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it so much. Awesome. And before we get started, because I already know this is going to be this is going to be black girl magic that people can bottle and repeat. I just really feel that's what this is about about to be and become, and I'm here for that. So, for those of for, so for those of the listening audience who may not be familiar with the Melanin Library, could you give us the elevator pitch for it? Absolutely. So, the Melanin Library is basically an online database filled with books by Black authors, and that is exclusive. So, every book on there is by a Black author, and basically it was created just to form a space on the internet where Black authors are showcased and celebrated without exception, where you don't have to look and dig to find books by authors. You can just search for romance and know that every book that you see is going to be by a Black author, whether it's a Black romance, an interracial romance, or what have you. And with complete transparency, which is why I think, uh, and I've told many people this, I actually came across your platform, aka your mission, uh, through the problematic app known as TikTok. And I've, yeah. told, and I've told many people that I really believe now that uh, TikTok has now taken the uh, village that we all grew up believing that we needed and some of our parents, even grandparents experience where everybody is look, kind of looking out for one another and aware and kind of aware of what one another is doing. I really believe that TikTok is, is now that village as problematic as it is, because sometimes it is a force for good in the middle of all the chaos that <laughs> chaos that it, that it clearly um, rains down upon us daily. So it, I believe it was essential to have to add whatever power that I can, whatever influence that I can to the mission by which you are doing that, that I completely get behind because one of my uh, secret 
missions, as it were, um, is the literacy of Black children. And I really believe that more Black children need access to books that look like them by authors who look like them. Uh, because the biggest thing that I've heard on this writing journey is that, you know, and I and I refuse to believe it because it's not true, is that Black people don't read. Yeah, no, that's absolutely false. That's something that I think other people would like to believe about us that isn't true and as a holdover from when we weren't able to read. But Black people absolutely read. And the fact that I see the numbers of people visiting the Melanin Library on a daily and weekly and monthly basis and people who are buying books and reaching out to me and being like, thank you for creating this resource. I know that I'm only a small place on the internet, but people absolutely read. Like I have a bookshelf full of black authors and most of them have been read. So to say that collectively, as if we are a monolith, like, oh, we don't read that. That's not true. I mean, there are people who don't. There are people who prefer different mediums other than books, who people who prefer to read articles or comics, but that's still reading, you know? Exactly. exactly. And I think one of the things that may, and I actually did a, show about this I want to say in the second season of this particular podcast where I was finishing up my undergrad and I just needed you know a palate cleanser as my best friend calls it I just need a book that I didn't necessarily have to think about you know that I didn't have to write an write analysis for I just wanted to read for fun and I remember going to Barnes and Noble and I'm like okay I think I want something you know a little, a little spicy novel maybe about 200 pages you know just kind of you know reset hit the hard reset on my mind real quick and I remember going through Barnes and Noble and this uh, in the area that I was in was diverse and every romance author was white. Yep. Like, yeah. every, like every single one and everything in me that was, that was a very angry three-year-old wanted to knock everything over. I'm like, cause where, where are the books who look like me? Where is this? And I think one of the, I think one of the things by which, um, and you say this on your platform consistently that again, this is, this is a space, you know, for black writers, for black, you know, for black readers, for black people, and the thing that I really wish that people would truly grasp is that to be black in this nation is to embody a duality on a consistent basis, either, either suppression or erasure. And books, you know, narratives, that is a, that's a record of someone that looked like me being here. So the book, just like you, just like you, I have my book of my bookshelf of black authors constantly recommending people. And one of the things I love doing is uh, referring people uh, to indie authors who whom are black, who people may not have heard of. So I love that you're in the mix of that, Chelsea. Have you ever thought of, so do you have any particular bookstores or indie bookstore that you partner with? I know that you you all are based out of Charlotte. Um. So yeah, it's based out of Charlotte, but right now I don't have any bookstores that I'm partnered with. That is something that I want to do in the future because although like the big company written in melanin that I run has been mm -hmm. around since 2019, the melanin library is relatively new and it just launched earlier this year in January, February around that time. So it hasn't been online quite a year yet. And I'd like to partner with indie bookstores in the future so that whenever you click on a book, you know, it's actually taking you to another, you know, black business person who is trying to, you know, help the world be more literate, you know, but that's kind of a ways down the road because that's <laughs> behind the scenes contracts and, you know, negotiations that, 
just take preparation for, but I would like to do that in the future. Shameless plug. I'm going to make sure that uh, all your information is in the show notes, including um, where to find you on social media. And I'll put, I'll keep the other thing um, under my hat for the, for the end of the show. But the one thing I wanted to kind of delve into about uh, the Melanin library library, because again, I believe this is a hard work um, like most passion projects are for most artists, but what was the galvanizing force to say, I did there need there's a resource that is needed and it does not exist and I think I know what it is so what was that walk me through that process of you know I, I love to read I love books by black authors I don't see enough of them and lord knows if I go through Amazon or what or whatever juggernaut even through Walmart or Target looking for books by black authors I can't find them so what was the process by which got you from you know, just complaining about it, as it were, to actually being a resource? Um, that is <laughs> kind of a long-winded answer because it, there's no independent moment that I can just place my finger on and be like, this was the moment where I decided to do this. Um, it was an accumulation of things because kind of like you mentioned before with the Barnes & Noble moment, I think as a people as black people or just non-white people not even just black people but you know specifically because that's what I am and that's what I, the life that I live right mm-hmm. whenever I go into Barnes and Noble I would have that exact same feeling of where are the books with people who look like me and I remember going into a Barnes and Noble and I found one singular book in the fantasy section with an author who was black and I was so excited I picked up the book and I bought it without even reading the description I was like I don't care what it is I'm going to buy it because it is fantasy and it is black and it's the only one that I could find in this entire store right and that was a frustrating experience right but then Fast forward, it went from I just love to read to I'm also an author. And so after I wrote my first book, Keeping Promises, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, put this out in the world. Mind you, there were a couple of things that I needed to learn (laughs) when I did that. So it wasn't necessarily the quote unquote right way to do it at the time, but it was Mm -hmm. all I knew. Right. And when I did it, I was like, where are the other books that look like me? Because if my philosophy is, if I'm going to be an indie author, I also want to read indie authors. Like I want to support this community that I'm trying to be a part of. And I could not find it. And I was just like, there has to be more romance. Cause at the time I was looking for indie romance. Cause that's what I wrote. I was like, there has to be more black romance out here than Beverly Jenkins. And you know, Right. And, and Mary and Mary Monroe. Yes. Get yeah. Out. And I was just like flabbergasted because there was no way to search on Amazon for black authors. There, there's just not a way to do it. And even once my book was available, I would search it up to like send to my family and friends and people who asked. And even when I went in and I typed in my book, <laughs> the name of my book with my name on my computer with my search history, my book was still not the first one to come up. It was still buried under tons of other books that didn't even have the exact same name as my book. And so that was frustrating. And I was like, there has to be a way to consolidate this because when I say I want to read a romance by default, that includes a black romance by a black author. That is my default. And so 
I searched the internet and I was like, surely there has been someone who has done this already. I searched and there wasn't. And I was like, okay, well, I have two options. Either I can (laughs) sit here and do nothing, just be upset, right? Or I can figure out how to do this. I was like, you know, the internet's a vast place and there are a lot of resources and, you know, the University of YouTube exists, you know, Google Academy exists. So I just spent a lot of time there looking it up, figuring out how to start a website. You know, I knew some of the basic things about running a website because I ran one with my husband and I did one in college. So I already knew the basics of how to work it. Right. I was just like, how do I get this database and how do I keep this updated? And once I figured that out, and honestly, like you, I was fortunate enough to run across another person and she was a website designer and she just happened to run across my Instagram page. And she was like, I love what you're doing. I want to design your website and I'm not going to charge you for it. And so she did that for me. And all I had to do was figure out how to make it work. She made it look nice. I just had to figure out how to make it work. And from there, it just kind of grew. People found it and they were like, yo, I like it. And then before I knew it, people were sharing it. And I was just like, wow, I'm glad I can do this for you guys. And it's it's interesting about um, when you come across things like that, where you literally, you see a problem and then you take a step back and go, ooh, this problem feels pretty big. Somebody should do something about this. And then that someone turns into you. Yeah, that was where wild. You, where you literally, be, where you literally become the thing by which you, the the help that you needed, you literally, you literally become. And the one thing that I love about this, you know, digital age is that, you know, again, as problematic uh, as the internet is and probably will ever be, it still has these notes of you know generosity and and uh, community there. And sometimes, it, sometimes all it takes for is for the person who sees the problem, right, to become the catalyst. Because the thing is, while you're building these things, you don't even see yourself as the catalyst. You're just like, oh, this just has to be done. This will be cool if you know if this will be really cool if we could do X, Y, and Z. And then you become, and then you become the person by which A, B, and C is uh is is completed through. But I want to, but I really want to pull at what you, I really want to pull at what you said about being an author we were just going to skip over that Chelsea we're just we're just going to scoot over that <laughs> we're going to scoot over that so what so describe to me your writing journey how did you how did you get you know you know what we're not going to do we're not going to say bitten by the bug because uh, in the immortal words of Shonda Rhimes uh, she said that most people when they ask writers how do they get started you know what lured you to writing and Shauna's like, no, you know, I basically, I basically, she said, I built $2.1 billion worth of television with my imagination. I am the candy. So what, so what was the catalyst by which that got you to writing? Um, that would be probably Miss Baldwin in, in the third grade, um, I remember that very vividly because I sat in the middle of the classroom. I hated it because I don't like being seen by people. I wanted to be in the back and we had an assignment and it was basically, she gave us a blank sheet of paper and she was just like, all you have to do is write. Everybody has to be silent. You just have to write. In hindsight, I'm pretty sure she just needed a break, but I had so much fun (laughs) writing that story. And I remember it, it was like a haunted house story because it was around Halloween that time. 
it was like a haunted house story where these two girls go to a haunted house and there's like all these traps and stuff and they're just trying to escape it right it was very simple very like not thought out but it was fun to write and that kind of that joy just kind of stuck with me for like ever and then when I was 14 I wrote my first like actual book at the time it was on Wattpad I'm pretty sure it's still on Wattpad because I never took it down and (laughs) it's just um it was called Summer Vacation and it was just like a little cute high school romance that was like kind of the rage at the time and it was so fun. And I was like, this is what I want to do. But then, you know, life happens. I got to be a senior in high school. And my parents were like, you know, pick something that's going to feed you so we don't have to. And I went a different route. But then um, when I was 22, 23, I was like, you know what? I don't like this life that I'm building. I am unhappy. I do not wish to be unhappy for the rest of my life. And so I sat down and I talked to my husband and he was just like, what would make you happy? And I was like, I just want to write books. And he was like, so do that. And so I went in and had a very satisfying, I'm out. I quit. You can't tell me I have to stay moment with my boss. And (laughs) that was fun. That was fun. Um, And then I went home and I sat down and I just started to like, write and my first book was written in like three months because that was all I was doing that was all I was doing um and actually now that I have a little bit more sense in my head a little bit older um (laughs) I'm re-release I'm re-releasing it uh next week on November 30th uh it'll have a new cover and it'll be cleaned up a little bit so it's called Keeping Promises and it'll be released next week awesome so by the time that this show airs which will be in December your book will already be published. Yay. And I will make sure all those, all those notes are in the, are in the show notes because we support black authors on this part, this portion and part of Beyonce's internet. Yes. But the one one thing that I think is interesting is for the authors that I've interviewed, we normally, I've I've seen this consistent pattern. Normally uh, we recognize this gift and talent for words or language between ages five and eight, which I think is, which I think is incredible. Because at that point, you know, you've um, you've somewhat become familiar familiar with the alphabet. You know, you can you can spell a little bit. Right. Yeah. And all you have is your imagination. So literally uh, getting getting to this place of. Realizing just how powerful your hands are. And the one thing that that I've always thought to be incredibly interesting is. Because, you know, I looked it up that a wild hair one day. There are over 171,000 words in the English language. And we know that language is most, uh, that young children pick up language very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the fact that we know, again, from this age of five to eight, we know language is beginning, be, is, is forming, is expanding, and also your world begins to change. Things, things are becoming more concrete. So then you can begin to write them down. So the fact that, you know, and shouts to Miss Baldwin, wherever she may be, that she actually, even though she may have needed like 10 minutes of quiet, she <laughs> she actually gave you a door for expression. For my, for me, it was also in eighth grade with, uh, not eighth grade, but uh, I was eight in third grade. And uh, my teacher, Miss Kelly, shouts to Miss Kelly, wherever she may be. Um, I wrote a story about like the rain to show my age. We were doing what they called a personal narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, so I gave it to her and she said that, um, you know, this is good. You should keep writing. 
And it's that encouragement that kind of changes everything for you, you know? And it's this deep, and it was, I remember, it was this deep click that this is something that, you know, this was not a gift or toy I had to share. This wasn't something that I paid for. This is something that I have. And because I, and because I have it, I can now master it. And I've and I've told you know every person who has come to me for advice or help or even on this particular platform is I seek daily to master this to see how far I can stretch it to see to see what I can do with it because it is mine. And, and I love that because we, when you say when you say that, especially you know finding that gift between five and eight, what I find so interesting is that a lot of people on the internet spend so much time and money for someone to tell them, like, if you want to figure out what makes you happy, go back to what you wanted to be when you were a kid before the world told you that you couldn't do it. That thing that you wanted to do when you were a kid is what you should be doing right now if you want to be happy. And it's always amazing to me whenever, like you say, people say that, you know, they knew that they wanted to write when they were young and then they made a different decision because the world told them to, whether it be parents, friends, you know, the necessity of staying alive and having to, you know, dedicate your time to other things, Mm -hmm. you know when you get that moment of, okay, what do I really want to do? It always goes back and it lines up with what you wanted when you were a child. And usually when you ask people who knew you as a child, they'll say the same thing. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You always did love to write. You always did love to tell stories. You always did love to read. You always Mm -hmm. did prefer to be by yourself and, you know, scribbling out stories on a piece of paper. Nobody understood, but you, right? you know? I mean, and the, which, which is why, um, spaces like the Melanin Library are needed. They're needed because, you know, again, in the immortal words of uh, Nasoke Sange, you know, the, uh, the author who wrote for Covet Girls, she said, I write for Black girls who are coming. So they have something when they arrive. And when I read that quote by her, I cried. Because now, now I'm at an age where the, uh, the voice of the books that I had, those women are now passing away. You know, mm. we, we lost Toni Morrison, what, not even five years ago. We lost Maya Angelou almost a decade ago. You know, Nikki Giovanni is in her, is in her mid-70s. You know, uh, Dr. Angela Davis is in her 70s. So, you know, all these women that, you know, I look, you know, looked up to uh, growing up and whose words have guided me and sustained me on, on some level for, you know, for years, those women are now have either transitioned or are now or or are now older women. Yeah. And on some level, it as as writers go, we love to be in the background because that's what we do. We we, we record. You know, we people watch. You know, you know, we have these we have these divine set of skills, as it were, to memorize language, conversations, places, colors, all those good things, which are wonderful. And the thing, and in the wonderment of that, we have to remember to write those things down and be bold enough to write those things down. So to be bold enough to be bold enough to write those things down. So in so in that boldness, you still need you know the amazing the books like um, like Amazing Grace, which is one of my favorite childhood books. You still need um, uh, Summer Summer Jackson Grown Up, you know. You still, by, I think, I believe by, by Teresa Harris, still, still need that. 
you know, you still need the all around the neighborhoods, which is the little golden book I had when I was like four or five. And, and my mother read it to me so often that I could, I can still quote it 30 some odd years later. She read it to me all the time because I wanted to read it all the time. So she read it to me all the time, which is, which is why, you know, I am, I'm that passionate about the literacy of black children, because I, I really believe that literacy for black children is an untapped resource for the world around them that keeps trying to devalue them and erase them and oppress them. You know, again, school to prison pipeline, he, school to prison pipeline here. I truly oh, yeah. believe, I truly believe if you, if we were to continue or, or uh, to reintroduce books, books to black children, because they have people on the cover who look like them. I truly believe, I truly believe the world would change. But and I agree a hundred percent because, and I think it's also not just about this person looks like me, but this person acts like me. This person has a family like me. This person, you know, has a haircut like me. This person interacts with the world the same way that I do. Because right. one of the things that used to frustrate me when I was a teacher was a lot of non-Black teachers or non-BIPOC teachers would advocate for diversity, but then the the books that they would want were very surface level where it was a a for lack of a better term a white child who was just colored with dark skin and right. the way that they interacted with the world and saw things and interpreted things was nothing like the lives of the kids that I had in my classroom so I was like why are we spending money on these books when there are other books that are literally right here that actually apply to these kids like let them see themselves instead of showing them a version of themselves that they are not and expecting them to just understand because the character is the right shade of brown you know which goes into um and again for anyone who is who has followed me on tiktok for any for any length of time knows i do not pull punch at pull punches as it relates to how i feel about um the necessity of the black writer, just like um, Nikki Giovanni says that you know she she never fails to recommend the black woman for times of struggle, I ne because you know she's dependable. She's dependable, and again Giovanni says that you know if the black woman wasn't born, she had, she'd have to be invented. Yeah, and I and I truly believe that as well. But the one thing I also want to I want to you know uh, put a colon with that is if it that with Giovanni's quote is the black writer is essential. Because we can, we inhabit two spaces at the same time. We are, no matter where we are, we are black and. We can exactly. never just be black in one place. We are black and. And it is important, again, as um, Nasoke Sange said, you know, it's, it is important that we write because there, there are those coming after us who will need something when they arrive. And it is irresponsible of us to squander those gifts because quote unquote, somebody didn't want to read our work. I don't and think it's ever a situation of someone doesn't want to read your book. I think in my experience, I have found it is the person who wants to read your book hasn't found it yet. And right. it is about visibility. And the the reason I say that is because when you walk into a bookstore, the books that you see first are the ones you spend the most time with. Exactly. The books that are facing out the ones that you see, the ones that you see other people looking at are the ones that you spend the most time with. And just being able to find something that, that fits you, that suits you, 
is a lot more difficult than writing a book that someone wants to read because the phrasing of the quote of, you know, if you write it, they will come is a hundred percent true, you know, and that goes for just about everything. And I know this for a fact because I have seen discussions on the internet and on YouTube and TikTok where people are discussing, you know, like for lack of a better term, you know, monster erotica, you know, there is an audience for literally everything. It's just the right person has to find it. And it's always the finding. It's always, always the finding. Which brings me to this other point. In the in this renaissance, as it were, of everything Black, what do you think is the best way to maximize this opportunity? Especially with the platform that you have that is, that is clearly, uh, God willing, a database that will grow and other people will partner with and it will get more and it will definitely get the shine that it needs so how do you think that you can best or how do you think the melanin library can continue to maximize in this reawakening as it were that's a that's a really good question because uh, i don't know that it started from a genuine place. And so mm-hmm. I feel like the best way to maximize this opportunity is just to continue to be genuine about it. You know, I do this because I love what I do. I do this because I am a black author. I do this because I feel like everyone should have an opportunity to be seen. And it could just be my nature, but I believe that everybody should have a level playing field. Like no one should have an advantage over someone else, you know? So if whatever the book is, everyone should have the same amount of visibility and the ability to reach the readers that they're writing it for. Because the reality of it is we are writing books for the people who are going to come after us. Like I know that I write my books, especially like my romance and my fantasy. I write them for the people who need to read it for someone who needs to see that. Okay. It's okay for me to fall in love with my best friend or someone who is just like, you know what? I want to see a black girl in a fantasy who hangs out with other black girls, you know? Right. And to maximize the opportunity, I guess I would say I'm continuing to be genuine you know, and be authentic in who I am. Cause like you on social media, on any place on the internet, anyone who knows me, I don't pull punches either. I am exactly what I'm about. I'm about black authors and I will always be about that. And if anyone is offended by that, I apologize for you, but that's not going to change what I am or what I'm doing or who I'm doing it for, you know? And in that genuineness, I'm going to continue to read books by black authors pretty much exclusively. Uh, The reason being, I am now 27. For the first 23 years of my life, I pretty much read white authors exclusively with the exception of the really big names, you know? So I have a lot of catching up to do, you know? And I'm not going to apologize for deciding that, oh, I don't want to read this book because it's not written by a Black author. I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, And just, I guess, thrive in being who I am which is black and a woman and a writer. And I recognize in that I don't need to apologize for that. And I don't need to explain to other people why I, why I am doing what I'm doing, because I have realized that the I get the most out of what I am doing when the people who see me for what I am recognize it. Like people like you, where you're just like, I see what you're doing. 
and I appreciate it. And I want to align myself with you. And it's just kind of like, thank you for seeing me and understanding that what I'm doing, I'm doing it from a place of love and a place of, I just really want more books by black authors. Cause when I look through the library and the books that people submit, it's just like, yo, there's so much out here. Whenever someone's like, this book doesn't exist, lies. I've seen it. I've seen it with right. my own two lives. Right. And the so. fact that, and the fact that you were that dedicated to being to being genuine, because I truly believe one of the reasons why spaces like that, like the Melman Library, it, they are needed and necessary. So it doesn't take twenty some odd years for the next black child to find a to or black woman or black man, or black queer person or a black trans person to see a book that looks like them, to see a story that looks like them because represent the highest form, I believe, of representation is narrative. If I can actually take my experience, whatever they may be, and put them in a, and put them in a media as it were, by which other people can read it, then I then I truly again exist in other I exist in another space. I exist in another exactly. form. I am still black and, but yes, but now you know why I'm, I am black and. And I think it's incredibly validating to read books with your experience because as people, a people where we have to be black and something else, and a lot of times people only one or the other we cannot we can never be both in a lot of spaces it's very validating to read stories where this character is black and and you're just like okay I'm not crazy I am not the other I am not different this experience that I have and I am living I am not abnormal this is just the nature of the the person that I am, the the kind of life that I'm living. And it's validating to see that no matter what form it may show up in or whatever medium you prefer to see it in, but especially in the written word, because what I love about that is you see that in your mind, okay? No one's telling you that you have to look like this because an actor is playing it or that you have to sound like this because you heard it in a song. Everything exactly. that you read happens in your own imagination. And that connection, I think, has a different type of strength to it because you are forming that connection almost mostly on your own, you know, like 70% of that is just what you see and connect to in your own mind. No one can tell you that. No one can tell you how to interpret a book. No one can tell you what to take from it. No one can tell you what it means to you, but you can see it, you know, because three people can read the same book and imagine a character three different ways with the same description. Exactly. You know, which is what makes reading so incredible. Which is why, you know, I get on my kids all the time about, you know, let go of your phone and pick up a book. I don't I don't care if it's audible. I don't I don't care. But I need your mind to exercise. I need your mind to exercise. And speaking and speaking of um, those types of encouragement, as it were, how do you maintain encouragement with what it is that you're doing with they're doing with what you're doing with the Melanin Library, as well as your own writing? Wow. Um. How do I maintain encouragement? Um, definitely by praying a lot because I'm not going to like sugarcoat it or like I said, pretend to be anything other than what I am. I'm a Christian woman. That's how I was raised. That's the life that I live. And I would not have started this if I had not prayed about it first. And God was like, you know, what? yeah, do it. This, this is needed. This is your task. And so definitely that being like, okay, am I still on the right path? Is this still what I need to be doing? You know, because I'm the type of person where it's like the minute God says, you know what, 
you're, you've accomplished, I'm be like, okay, I've, I've accomplished what I have set out to do. It is no longer my task. And me doing something that God does not have for me is not going to help anyone. Right now, this is my task. So that's how I keep encouraged. But also, I surround myself with people who believe in what I am doing mm-hmm. because it's like I am human. Right. And so sometimes having a physical person who is verbally like, no, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Or, you know, even sometimes as little little things like, how can I help? You know, or I needed this. Like even when people DM me, I don't think they realize how much it helps me whenever I see someone sharing the library or they DM me and they thank me or I get a notification. It's like, oh, this person has shared, you know, your profile with their followers or their, you know, their community. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. And just being surrounded by that reaffirms that what I am doing is necessary and needed but not just that it is wanted like people want this resource and knowing that and keeping that in mind helps me keep going and I also just kind of and this is kind of weird because I know a lot of people whenever they ask like how they keep going they usually don't include this part but I also question myself every step of the way like is this still what I'm supposed to be doing is this still what I want to do is this still making me happy is this still am I still on the right path Or am I letting this be overwhelming? You know, if I get to a point where I no longer believe in what I'm doing, then I've completely lost my way. And whenever I can sit down and critically, like objectively look at my life and what I'm doing with the Melanin Library, and I can be like, you know what? I'm doing good. Like through my lens, I'm doing good. Then I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. I'm good. I can keep going. And I stop when I'm tired. (laughs) And that helps a lot. So when I am getting to a point where I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. People out here acting crazy. Cause I get a lot of positive DMS, but mm-hmm. I get a lot of crazy ones too. And sometimes I just ignore those for the most part. But then sometimes I'm just like, nah, you too out of pocket. Let me get you a check real quick. Right. But after that, I just, I let myself rest and I'm like, it's okay to be tired. But as long as I don't get to a point where I am burnt out, I'm okay because I can recover from being tired. I cannot recover from being completely burned out. And I never want to get to that point, you know? And there's nothing bad about questioning yourself, especially if something is, especially if something is new and you haven't seen anybody doing anything um, similar or just like any, what you're trying to build. It's normal to question yourself. I question people who don't necessarily have those moments of, oh man, this is this has the potential to be huge. It's just, it's, ooh, I might, you know, I might need, you know, a minute to take in what I'm actually building. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's normal. Uh, because, you know, even one of my favorite people in the world is the rapper David Banner. David Banner says that, you know, to be a visionary is a gift and a curse. Uh, yeah. The gift, the gift is you can see what's not there, but the curse is you see what's not there. Exactly. So you know, and- to to have these, you know, platforms, you know, like the writer's block, you know, like the Melman Library, you know, it it can be overwhelming because you're because you don't see anyone else doing the same thing, and there is a there's a comfort in that kind of familiarity. That you Absolutely. know, you know, like everybody over here on the left is doing podcasts. That's cool. Everybody over here is doing library stuff. Oh, that's cool. But then if you pick one person out of that, like, okay, this person has this podcast geared just toward horse. Shout shouts to uh, Tanya Ransom at Nightlight. This person is just doing 
a podcast dealing with entrepreneurship. Shouts to my girl, Cinquanta Cox Smith, you know, and then you have me, you know what I'm saying? I'm over, I'm over here making space for black, black authors and writers. So they don't give up. I don't see a whole lot of those. And then for, you know, for resources, you know, you may have, you may have, you know, someone trying to start an initiative to get more black kids reading. Woo. Totally in favor of that. Then you have, you may have someone who says, okay, you know what? Let's get more libraries and communities. Cool. All for that. And then we have Chelsea like, Hey, but we still need the resources for you to find all the books written by black authors so the black kids can read them in their libraries. Exactly. You know, so, and... so we're all doing the same thing, but it, it gets real lonely when you, when you, uh, when you find, uh, when you funnel down or whittle down, uh, you know, those broad things into finer points and it can, it can feel very, very lonely. Absolutely. And I, I talk to my husband about it all the time, but you know, it's kind of like I equate it to walking into the void. And I I say this a lot whenever people ask me why I do what I do, because I recognize like objectively the way that I have lived my life up until this point does not make sense to a lot of people, especially the way that I have moved. But it's just like, like I said before, A, I have faith, but also it's just like, it, it's like, I don't know, and I know this is not a black a black author, so forgive me. But I remember reading the poem by Robert Frost, "A Path Diverged in Two mm-hmm. Woods," mm-hmm. and he was like, "Sorry, I could not travel both." But you know, it was it was all about you know him having to make a choice. Where was he going to go? Was he going to take the path that everyone had traveled, that was like nice and clean and easily walkable, or was he going to go the route that had leaves and dirt and brush, and he was going to have to make a path as he went? you know and I always think about about it that way like I'm going to take the path that other people have not traveled which means I am responsible for clearing this path but once I go down it I am clearing the way for anyone else who wants to come after me and continue on so even if the melanin library for whatever reason I cannot continue to do it you know I feel confident that I've laid the groundwork for someone to come behind me and continue it. Like it is bigger than me. It is bigger than, you know, my selfish whims. It may have started that way, but I like to think that it has grown grown beyond that. And making space for someone to come after me is kind of the point of doing all of this, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want things to revert back because like you said, it's, uh, it's about, it's great that you're helping black kids read and you have that initiative but are you giving them books with people who look like them who act like them who think like them who live a life similar to theirs it's great that you're building libraries but are you filling them with books that are diverse and if you're not going to do the work that's fine I will do the work for you so that you don't have an excuse not to do it you know because a lot of what I have realized you know being in the educational world on both sides of it both a student and a teacher Mm -hmm. is that A lot of people don't want to do the work. A lot of people don't want to sit down and be like, okay, I don't know what book would be good here. So I'm just going to pick something random and call it and present it as the right answer. And it's just like, no, it it takes work. 
But my my hope is that even if I personally cannot teach kids to read because I'm not a teacher anymore, even if I personally cannot build a library because the public libraries are created by the government, I don't have a say in that. You know, my my goal is that the librarian who is hired at that library will be able to look at this resource and be like, you know what, I want to get these books because these are the kids who come visit me. Or I want to get this book because there's a kid here who asked me if a book like this exists and I know exactly where to go. I know exactly where to tell his mom to go search. Or, you know, I can show it to teachers who can be like, you know what, my school isn't buying these books, but I can still show it to my class. I can show it to their parents. I can show them where they can go get these books so that even if they don't want to do the work to find it themselves, the work is already done. All you have to do is purchase the book. You know, my goal is just to make it easier. And I know that there was a point to all of that because of something you said, but I lost it while I was talking. I'm sorry. I got a little passionate. <laughs> no, no, I love, I no, I love that you got passionate and let's just, let's just pull at. Uh, again, using Frost for a moment, and then in the in towards the concluding of that poem, he said, "I've taken the I, and I, I've and I, I've taken the road less traveled by, and that and that has made all the difference." Yes. The one the one thing that has to be said about resources like this, like the Melanin Library, is that it is needed. It is needed. And it is necessary. Because again, to go back to my undergrad, my uh, one of my one of my mentors. Uh, Dr. 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 Drusilla Wall at the University of Missouri St. Louis. She said that, you know, for this nation, there is a for literature. There's always a master narrative, and the master narrative is basically, uh, if you were to take a snapshot of a culture, like these books should tell you about the culture. And this is this is a white professor now. She says that in in our uh, master narrative, that we have cis het white men writing. Have, having all these works prized as uh, having all having all these stories written to be prized as canon, like to get a snapshot of to get a snapshot of the nation. Just look at the just look at the literature. She said that our job, and she also said, never let anyone anyone just call you just an English major. She said, never let anyone call you just an English major. And she also goes, it. she also oh, I love Dr. Wall. She said that. She said that our job, your job, is to continually question and push against the master narrative. Why aren't these people? Why aren't these people being taught? Why is this? Why is this work not here? Why can't we find these books? Why you, your job in stepping into these arenas of uh, of literature, of you know, of education? Our job is to question who isn't there. Exactly. Why? Why? Why do we tout? You know, quote unquote, the big three of literature, which are Shakespeare, Heming Shakespeare, Hemingway, and um, Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Hemingway, and uh, the lat and uh, you know Robert Robert Frost for this for this particular for this particular conversation, or Walt Whitman. You know, but we but you know you have to fight to hear to hear about um, Paul Dunbar. You have to fight to hear about Nella Larson. You know they'll, but they'll throw up Zora Neale Hurston and Langston Hughes really quickly. That's awesome, and even Phyllis Wheatley. That that's great. That that's super. But and, but we don't. But you have to fight to hear about uh, Sonia Sanchez. You have to fight to hear about because um, now we know that with Kanye's new album, we, know, we have a piece of Gwendolyn Brooks. You have to you have to for for the black for the black writer again that 
the idea of this uh, consistent duality of being black and uh, resources like the Melanin Library are invaluable. Because if you can give it, I, my, strong, my strongest and stringent belief is, if you give a child, if you give a black child the resources that they need to find themselves in the world, the world will, the world will consistently change. Absolutely, because I don't subscribe to the mindset that you need to, I don't subscribe to the mindset that the classics that have been touted as the classics should remain so because the nature of language is that it changes over time and the nature of the world and the society that we live in is that it changes over time. And I don't, I do think there is some value in reading works that came before your current time, but I also think there is great value in reading books that show you a culture and a time that you can understand and relate to. So when I think of classics now, I'm I'm thinking if I was a teacher, especially if I was teaching like, you know, middle school, high school, like read The Hate You Give by Angie right. Thomas. Like, yes, it just came out, but it shows you, it paints you a picture of the reality of the world that we have to live in. And it's not sugarcoating it. And there is, like I said, there is some merit to classics where, you know, the, the, the way we view it has changed. Society has changed and Mm -hmm. that's fine. I I have all the utmost respect for it, but also understand that the things that matter, the things that are going to, those books were popular at the time because they reflected the world at the time and that is what boosted them into classic status if you are not allowing a new era of readers to say this is the book that everybody in my generation and every in my kids generation needs to read then you're not allowing books to be elevated to that level of classic and that needs to happen it needs to change nothing should last forever I believe that wholeheartedly nothing lasts forever everything has a time now whether that time is 10 years or 100 years at the end it should it shouldn't be held as the standard forever like no one can challenge it like Shakespeare is great reading it is great but if we have come to a point in our culture where we can no longer understand it where we no longer hold meaning to it where we no longer relate to it where we no longer find it entertaining because Shakespeare was meant to be entertaining he was a playwright so if it's no longer that why are we still holding it as the gold standard for something that can never be achieved in this day and time you know and that also goes into again um that nature of whiteness to diminish anything that is not white exactly what is the african proverb that uh until the lion learns to write the hunter will always be the victor yeah something something like that unless something like that something like that um yeah until the now it's bothering me until until the until we hear the until we hear the story of the lion the the hunter will always be the victor something something like that but which is which again goes to you know another question how do you even with everything out there with all the sourcing that you have to do with all the resourcing that you have to do how do you pick or how do you find uh the books that you add to the library the internet is a vast place and I spend a lot of time on it um but no seriously um the books that are added I I try to be very clear that 
as long as you meet the requirements of you're a black author and you wrote a book about black or brown main characters, then you are welcome on the Melanin Library. So a lot of it is just research, you know, looking at Amazon, looking at Bookshop, looking at indie authors, personal pages, following them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever, and just doing like the, what I say, the groundwork, literally just looking through the internet through whoever is talking about books and adding them that way. But then also what I really like is to have authors submit their own books because what I've been trying to do recently, especially on TikTok, is to let people know like, hey, if you find a book and it's not on here, please let me know. I want to add it. I want to make sure it's available for people to find, you know? And more people have been submitting, which I'm really grateful for, especially authors submitting their own books. Like, thank you. That helps out a whole lot because when authors submit their books, it's like you have all the information. So this speeds up the process. And once I have that information, um, like I, I think I've said this on the internet a couple of times, but it's just really me and my mom. Like I find the books and I'll add them to our database and then she's retired now. So she'll take the time and she'll go through and she'll add all the information. So when you go to the Melanin Library and you see all this stuff, that's really just my mom taking the time to go through and find all of that information and add it to the database. And then I go through and I add the link and I make it look nice <laughs> on, on the site. You know, and so we, we kind of tag team it that way. But when authors are at it, it's just really them submitting their own books. And I do I do want to say this because it's it's polarizing for some people, but it is necessary for what I'm trying to do. And that is I do, quote unquote, confirm blackness. And mm-hmm. basically what that is, is. I searched the book. So even if you, there is, when you submit the form, there's basically a little checkbox that says, hey, to the best of my knowledge, the author who wrote this book is black, right? But it's just a checkbox. And I have had the unfortunate experience of people lying and non-black authors submitting their book to the library, trying to basically game the system. And so what I do and I have done for every book is I, I look for the author on the internet. And basically, if I cannot find a picture of you in relation to your book, then I don't add it to the library for the reason that I want to be sure that the people that I'm uplifting and the people that I'm advertising and recommending to people are actually people of color. That is what this resource is for. And I know that that's kind of polarizing for some authors, especially black authors who are like, I don't. I have my logo as my image on the internet or things like that. Part of me is like, I understand, right? Because advice, whoever knows how long ago it started circulating, I can't tell you, was, you know, if you want to be able to reach a wider audience, read white audience, then you need to make sure that your face is not prominent because that way they'll give your book at least a chance. Exactly. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. But for me and the way that I live my life and the resource that I'm creating, I want to make sure that the authors who are on there are, I'll say, loud about being Black. You are not hiding that fact. You are not ashamed of it. You are not trying to disguise it in order to reach an audience who, statistically speaking, will not read your book. That's not saying that your book is not good. That's not saying that your book is not wanted in different audiences or anything like that. Like, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just numbers and statistically speaking, 
that the audience that we try to reach sometimes by going through these hoops are still not going to read it simply because they don't want to, no matter what we do to try to change that, if that makes sense. And I, I go through all of this just to make sure that the people that I'm telling me, telling you about, you can go and confirm for yourself that, yeah, this person is black. She ain't lying. I ain't. Right. I ain't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, and it's only, it's only polarizing because any place where, again, where authors, especially black writers or black people who have platforms, pol- it only, I really believe that we're polarizing is just another word for, we don't want you to do that. We don't want to, we don't want you to make anything where we are not included. That's our job. We're supposed to disenfranchise you all. You're not supposed to use game on us. Because um, I know I know my good girlfriend, uh, Tanya Ransom, who runs uh, Nightlight, the Black Horror Podcast, when I submitted a story to her, this was a couple years ago, she asked the same checkbox that, you know, this, spa- this space is for Black people who write horror stories. Like, this is what this is. You know? <laughs> And if and if you are not a black horror writer, I do not want your story. That's not to say that you cannot write or we don't want you to write. We're saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, that this space is not for you. And that's exactly what I say on my website. If you visit the Frequently Asked Questions page, I don't know how many people actually do, but I say exactly that because I know that people have that question like, if I, what if I'm white, but I write about black characters, I respect you for embarking on this journey of being an author. It is not an easy task. And I wish you all the success with your heart passion, but this is not the platform for you. I've made it very clear what this platform is for from the name that I chose to the colors of the brand, to the way that I designed the website, to the mission statement, to the about page, to what I talk about on social media, to the books I review to the books I share on the melanin awareness on YouTube to the people I interview on whatever platform all of it all of it is black so if you missed all of that somehow there is still this frequently asked question telling you no and if you message me directly I will tell you the exact same thing no this platform is for black people and that's not to shame you that's not to say you're not good at what you do that's me saying I don't know and I'm not going to find out I am sorry, but my attention is focused elsewhere, you know, but I wish you all the best. I really do. I want you to be successful. Right. But you have enough resources to go elsewhere. I'm not denying you. I'm telling you that this is just for us. Just like I don't have have a key to your house because I don't live there. I don't stand out. I then don't stand outside your house, you know, beating and screaming, demanding that you, you let me in. I don't live there, so I have no act. I, sh- I don't have access to that. And speaking of access, what do you think could be better done to support indie authors in this in this rue, as it were, of writing and publishing? Aside Ooh. from aside from make aside from mentioning that they should they should uh, submit their work to the Melman Library. <laughs> um, I. I okay this is a long-winded answer because I am an indie author but also I see how indie authors are treated on the internet so I have very passionate opinions about this Mm -hmm. um 
the first I would say is to buy the books of indie authors. Like they're most of them are not expensive. Okay. When compared to a traditional book, they are not expensive. Purchase the book. Right. Exactly. But I also understand that everybody is not in a position to spend recreationally. That's fine. But you can still interact with them on their platform. Okay. You can still ask questions about the book. You can still watch their interviews. You can still share the book with other people, even if you haven't read it. Because let me tell you, I share books that I have not read all the time. My entire platform is sharing books that I have not read because there are over 1,900 books on the Melanin Library currently. Oh, wow. Okay? I have not read <laughs> every single book that comes across the Melanin Library. And I try to make that clear on my platform. Like, I haven't read this. This is not a personal recommendation. This is just what I call a melanin awareness, okay? I am letting you know that this book exists, okay? So you can do that with indie authors, but also you can share, like I said, share their book, follow them on social media. But also, if you take the time to read a book, do not speak ill about the book right like and I I say this with a caveat right because some books are not good and you do not like them that is fair and that is valid but if you are going to read an indie a book by an indie author my personal pet peeve is when people read it and they're like the minor things right now if someone's spelling and formatting is so bad that it took you out the story, that's one thing. But if you're like, oh, I caught this one spelling error, well, congratulations, Traditional published, traditionally published books have those as well. So don't drop the book by a whole star and a half because you found one error, you right. know? And don't treat it as if it is less than. If you're going to get the book and treat it as if it is less than because it is indie published, do not read it. You were not the target audience if you're not going to like it simply because of how it was published, you know? And that that is what grinds my gears is when people speak as if it's not as good because I know plenty of indie authors and the work goes into them. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm just going to slap a cover on it from, you know, from Google and it's still got watermarks on it and call it a day. Do those books exist? They do. But if it's a true indie book, usually not. Usually not. So that's just my, my two cents on it, though. I would say read the books. And if you can't afford to read it, support the author. And you can do that in a myriad of ways. You can literally pick anything, honestly. And that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, shameless plug here, why I invested like what is it, ten dollars a month for Kindle Unlimited. Uh, there, yes. there are a lot. There are a lot of uh, indie authors, a lot of black indie authors too. That um, most you know, black pub- indie publish, oh, you know, publish through, um, you know, Kindle Unlimited. And you know, you can swap. You can swap those out. I think you can because I'm a book hoarder. Then <laughs> you can keep like ten books for like you can keep ten books for it to swap them out. And, uh, you know, it costs nothing to uh, tell, tell someone that you wrote a book. But one of the things I think that but also goes into this, uh, and I'm sure we don't have time enough for this portion of the conversation, but it also goes into, um, you know, the, the cliquish nature of uh, some Black writers, where, you know, if you only, you only, if you write poetry, you can't write out, you can't hang out with people who write romance. If you write romance, you can't, write, you can't hang out with people who write, uh, erotica and you know and thus and so and thus and so and thus and so and thus and so 
And, uh, you know, she published that through, uh, you know, Lulu, she published that through whatever, you know, and, and it gets, ve- it gets very, um, to me, it gets very base and in the wrong, and in the wrong context, you know, we rip each other apart when we're all doing the same, when we're literally all doing the same thing. Like, sis, I'm sitting in front of my computer after working all day to try to write two hours to get these three, three, four pages in too. <laughs> so, you know, it, so it profits me nothing to come up to you and say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to buy your book because I just think it's trash. No, let's, let's get, let's get out of that. And again, and again, in 2022, with all this radical dope black is happening, uh, you know, can we just put aside, you know, this competitive, this competitiveness where, you know, the lie from white supremacy publishing says that there can only be so many black, so many successful black writers at the same time. Can we just cancel that lie? I will say this because you're right. That is a whole other conversation and it is something that I get very heated about. Um, because one for one, me as a person, like removing the writer aspect for just this part, I do not like clicks. I have never liked clicks. I have never been a clickish person since I was in elementary school. Right. I don't subscribe to that mindset, period. Um, but especially as an adult, as a writer, and I say this, if you follow, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I have said it before and I will say it again. There is more than enough room at this table for everybody to eat. Okay. Exactly. I am not in competition with anybody else because the way that I write my story is not the way that you write your story. We could have the exact same premise, the exact same prompt, the exact same amount of time, amount of words, amount of energy, whatever you want. The way that my brain works is not the way that anybody else's brain works. And I am not competing with anybody. And if you see yourself in competition with me, I'm going to kindly ask that you remove yourself from my presence because I'm not about that life. If I can't uplift you and you can't uplift me with that same energy I don't surround myself with people who, who are going to bring negative energy who are secretly wishing for my downfall because they think it's the only way for them to be successful if that is how you see it congratulations fantabulous okay I'm happy for you just do it over there away from me because I surround myself with people like I said earlier who believe in what I am doing who I can cheer for them as out as they cheer for me okay and Finding your community is so important because one of the things that I learned early on is that the internet is not always a kind place and everybody, as they say, skin folk are not always kin folk. And that is a very hard lesson to learn when you're trying to be creative and you are sensitive about your writing and you're sensitive about what you're putting out into the world and you're concerned, legitimately concerned whether or not you are good enough to enter into this world of publishing when you already have these, let's say, giant monoliths of publishing telling you that there's only space enough for one black girl. Okay. That's all that we're letting through. So you have to be in competition with other. No, I refuse. I reject thee in the name of Jesus. Okay. I will not do it. And it is for that reason that I create the Melanin Library because I'm just like, we're not in competition, baby doll. Okay. We all wrote books. Okay. There's a whole section for romance and there are hundreds of books in it. We're not in competition. We all going to thrive because what's going to happen is we're, somebody's going to come here and they're going to pick up six or seven books. Okay. That's just what's going to happen. And they're going to read it and they're going to love it. And for me specifically, I created Written in Melanin Publishing. That's what I did before I created the Melanin Library. And the purpose of that is to be able to create a publishing company where I can put out books by Black authors, not just my own, but other people, where it's just like, you don't have to be, you don't have to get through the gatekeepers if that's not what you want to do, okay? You can put out a professionally published book and have it be by a Black imprint 
and be like, you know what, this is dope and have people find it and love it. And you know what? I, and it's going to be in it specifically for black writers. Okay. Because that's what I'm about. Because the way I see it is like, if you're, when, and when you're white, you have a hundred doors in front of you and you can walk through 99 of them. Okay. There is no line. There's no, there's no red tape. There's no bouncer keeping you out. You can literally pick whichever door you have the leisure of picking whatever makes you happy. Okay. Black people, we got one door. Okay. It's a little broken down and there's a bouncer saying who can get in and who can get out. Okay. So what I'm trying to do is just create another door and be like, you know what? That's cool. Right. But this is our door. You got to go through the other one of the other 99 because they're available to you. This one, this one is for us. That's kind of how I see it. And when it comes to being clickish on the internet, I'm just kind of like, what are we in high school? Are we 15 and all crushing on the same boy? Is that what we're doing? Because <laughs> if that's not it, I don't understand why if you're a poet and I'm, you know, and I write fantasy and she over there write nonfiction, if we all writing and we're all entering this world, we can't uplift each other because I've got writer friends who write fantasy. And you know what I do? I hit them up and I'll be like, hey, I'm working on my fantasy. Can you read it? Can you give me some feedback? You know this world. Can you share it with me? And when I do, it's just like we lift each other up. It's just like, hey, you know, I'm my book is coming out next week. I we I have a Discord server that I manage. So when I dropped it in there with the other writers, a lot of them were like, Yeah, I can help you promote it. Just send me the information. And it's just like, that's, that's what we do. That's the kind of energy I want to be around. That's the kind of people I want to surround myself with, where it's just like, if, if you need something from me, I got you. You need me to promote your book. I got you. You need me to give you a review, some feedback. I got you. Just keep that energy when I ask you for the same thing. And if we can do that, we can get along. So that's why I created the Melanin Network, which is, you know, a Discord server that is invite only for Black authors. And we come together, we write, we do writing sprints, and we do, we talk, and we laugh, and we giggle. And sometimes we get up angry when, you know, the world is just being what it is you know and to just know that you're not alone in this writing journey other people are with you and they're supporting supporting you and they're being loud about your success and they want to see you flourish just as much as they want to flourish themselves and i just i love that sorry that was a rant i'm gonna stop now no i heard charlotte come out so i knew i was in, i was headed in the right direction i, knew, I heard charlotte jump out i knew i was in the right direction <laughs> but no but it, but that there is one of the reasons why it is essential that these types of spaces be maintained and that they are created. That sometimes, it, you know, you are, you are, you know, things that we pray to uh, the Lord about that we really seek his guidance on about, you know, these building these platforms and, you know, going networking with people. When we really begin to seek his face about these things, the weight of those things become evident because now once you've been given the green light, now you have authority over this thing. Exactly. Now you have to be a steward over this thing, which can feel insurmountable, which can feel that, you know, Lord, why did you give this to me? And the one thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, what my uh, adopted brother said, and he said that, you know, you, the things by which you want to do, you you have to become strong enough to handle them. And the fact that you have taken this particular this particular issue, right? This particular situation and said, you know what, someone needs to do something about this. And then you said, and then you become the you become the answer. In the going, you become the answer. Absolutely. And, and that and that 
itself is world changing. And just like TBR lists are world changing, so what can we anticipate being added to the Melanin Library? Library, or what books are going to be uh, Melanin, or do we need to be aware of, aka um, notif- um, being uh, Melanin aware? I love that. I'm gonna start using it from here on in. Just Melanin, just know that this is out here. What book can we anticipate being made aware of come December 2021? December 2021 um there are so many books like I I'm gonna be honest I'm not the person who keeps up with release dates only because when I manage the library I see so many books like today alone I approved like 45 books and added them to the library so yeah so if you're listening to this (laughs) I know it's gonna be in the future but you know check back regularly because I'm always adding books and there is a spot on the homepage where it says new releases and that is updated monthly. So it's like, if you're listening to this in December, check to make sure, because I would have, I will have just updated it. So all the books that are releasing in December will be on the homepage, but um, it's hard to say because mo- a lot of books for this year have already released mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, but I know for the books like that are coming up in 2022, there are some that I'm like keeping my eye out heavily on so that when they drop, I'm, I'm going to buy them. And most of them are by authors that I have already read before. Um, but they are what I call like my automatic buys. <laughs> so it's like, it doesn't matter if they, if they drop a book, I'm going to buy it. Um, and the first one is uh, the confessions of an alleged good girl by Joya Goffney that comes out um, in the spring spring springish summer of 2022 and it's um she wrote excuse me while i ugly cry which i loved so much if you haven't read it basically her first book was about a black girl who grew who has grown up in a predominantly white area and she keeps a journal because she's got mad anxiety right and she loses her journal one of her classmates finds it and is basically blackmailing her to do these things that she wrote on her list. Otherwise she's, they're going to make it public to the entire school. Right. And so it's about her conquering her fears. But what I loved about it is she is a dark skinned black girl who is curvy, right? She's not a small girl and she is basically learning to love herself even though she has been surrounded by white people for most of her life. She's realizing that she is black. She loves that about herself. That's not anything to be ashamed of. And she is also conquering her other fears and falling in love at the same time. It's a really good book. And I loved it because she comes from a two parent household and they spoiled the the crap out of her. Mm -hmm. And I just loved reading that because as a black girl who comes from a two parent household where my parents spoiled me, I generally don't get that a whole lot when I read books. A lot of times if it's a black girl, she comes from a single mother household and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a very lived experience. It's just not my lived experience. So I was happy to read that. Anyway, that was a tangent. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Confessions of an Alleged Good Girl by Joya Gaffney, um, Zyla and Kai by Christina Forrest. I just, I love her. I love, I have loved all of her books. I will buy everything that she writes. Um, also, that time I got drunk and yeeted a love potion out of Werewolf by Kimberly Lemming. Nice. Um, her books are just hilarious. <laughs> her first book in the series is called The Mead, The Mead mm, something. I forgot the next verse. Like, mystery, not a mystery. They're not, they're not mysteries. But um, 
Meet Mishaps, I want to say, is the name of the series. Mm-hmm. And the first in the first book is called That Time I Got Drunk and Saved a Demon. So nice. the I can vouch that it's hilarious and I'm super looking forward to her next book. Um, I did an interview with her recently. So if you're listening to this and you're into that slight plug, follow me on YouTube because I do interviews with authors there. And I also uh, do what I call the melanin chat. And we just talk about all things books and writing once a week. So there's that slight plug. Um no, also, complete, no com- complete plug. All those things, all those things will also be in the show notes. Um, and the other two books that I'm looking forward to um, is book two of TJ Young and the Orishas by Antoine Bandele. And I will say this until I get tired and blue in the face. Antoine Bandele has done an incredible, incredible job of creating a black fantasy for YA for for the for the young adult audience. And it is so good. Like it, it pulls you in and he has this entire lore and it's based on West, West African uh, mythology. And it's so well done. And his writing style is amazing. And you feel like you're getting so much content and the characters are so relatable. It's, it's amazing. And I will sing his praises for like ever, especially with this series, TJ Young and the Orishas, because he has others as well. But this one is the one where I'm like, this is the one. So he has book two coming out next year. Um, I'm going to be picking that up. And then also book three, it is the third and final book in the Witch Kind series. And that is by Amanda Ross. She has not announced the name yet, but I have read the first two, which is To Astera Astera with Love and To Alaris in Desperation. And it is about black witches. And the first book, um, basically there's a black witch named Mercury and in this world that she has created, it's an urban fantasy. So vampires and witches live out in the public mm. with around among the regular population. People know that they exist, right? They're not secret. And basically Mercury goes to a party, things get out of hand and he ends up doing some things that escalate and he and his friends end up on a life or death road trip running from vampires to get to what they call a stair, which is a meeting of all which kind, where his aunt is the head and his father sits on the council. Nice. So, and there's so much magic and friendship and like I said, life or death. So there are a lot of action scenes and so much relatability. And it's a new adult, which a lot of people don't know about that that age range but new adult is basically that time between 18 and 30 in the book world where for some reason traditional publishing doesn't want to say it exists but it's not young adult because young adults is like 13 to 18 and it's not full adult because most of the time that target age range is like 30 plus so new adult is that sweet spot in between where you're like in college and figuring things out like you're your 20s essentially so the main characters in her book are 21, 22, something around there, between 21 and 23. So it's amazing. It's really good. I can vouch for both books, and I'm going to buy the third one whenever it comes out. <laughs> nice. Chelsea, it has been an absolute joy to have you on, to have you in this space, to be a part of what you're doing with the Melanin Library, to indeed, to, be, to come alongside with the phenomenal uh, vision that you are fulfilling. And again, for those for those who are, whom are listening uh, currently in December and those who may be listening in the future, 
Um, formally, I would like to announce that the Writer's Block podcast under Firestarter Media will be partnering fully with the Melanin Library for the entire year of 2022. So those things that uh, you you may see on the Melanin Library for on uh, Chelsea's Instagram or YouTube, make sure you follow all those things in the show notes and pick up her book. Just know that she may be popping by this portion of Beyonce's internet with a recommendation or an ad. Because uh, we, are, we are throwing our full support behind what our good sister is out here doing, trying to change the world one word at a time because writing is better in Black. Uh, Amen. So I appreciate you, Chelsea. Know that we are. I am here if you need me. Um, and I am totally looking forward to um, all the things that God has in store for the Melanin Library. Shouts to shouts to Chelsea's mom for helping her be amazing as well, and Chelsea's husband for being understanding. Because I'm sure there, that brings for lots of interesting conversa- conversations <laughs> as as she continues to change the world one word at a time. So I thank you, Chelsea, and uh, I surely will speak to you later. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on and inviting me into your space. It really means the world to me. I appreciate it so much more than I can ever tell you. So I'm looking forward to this upcoming year and partnering with you. And it's going to be great. I I see that. I'm going to claim that. It's going to be amazing. It will and it shall be. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you. The time has come to leave you to your thoughts and words. The hope is that what was shared in this space was encouraging, empowering, and a catalyst to write. Special thanks to Valor Music LLC for all audio production and mixing. All business inquiries and advertising inquiries can be sent to circlethewritersblock at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined to support the work of this podcast to continue to fight erasure of black and minority writers, consider supporting through Cash App at dollar sign J-B-H-W-R-I-T-E-S, that's J-B-H Writes, or PayPal at S-G-L-L-C dot one zero three eight at yahoo.com. We will see you next time when we circle the blog.